This is your award-winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. Now, we are here with Bristol City Council's newest councillor, Patrick McAllister from the Green Party. Um, We just wanted to get him in to find out a bit more about him because obviously the councillors are the ones who make a lot of decisions in the city about, you know, how those city's money is spent, what's prioritised. The Greens are now actually the biggest party in the council. So, you know, will that act, will that bring new green uh, movements in? What, what's going to, what's going to happen? But we'll, so we'll we'll get into it. Uh, Patrick, good morning. Hi are you? Uh, I'm doing well thank you yeah it's lovely to be here. Well thank you for coming. Um, Yeah do you want to just tell us a bit about yourself for people who haven't met you, don't know you, haven't seen you on social media? Uh, Certainly so my name is Patrick McAllister. I've uh, been living here in Bristol for about five years now. Uh, I've got an academic background in climate and social sciences uh, which is obviously quite a good place to be for a Green Party politician. And uh, I am the newest councillor on Bristol City Council. I was uh, elected uh, on Thursday 2nd. I was sworn in last Monday. And it's been a very hectic week since then. <laughs> I imagine, yeah, sort of having to learn the ropes very quickly because you only have a year left of your councillor term. You were elected in a by-election because the previous councillor in Hot Wells and Harborside stood down. So you have a very limited time to get your head around everything and get cracking is that right uh that's very true yes there's only a year to um properly get into it and uh from speaking to a lot of other councillors from all parties actually but you know by the time a year's gone by you've only just learned the ropes fully for a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah so you're sort of finding you're settling in all right um what what got you interested in politics to start with um you know a lot of people uh, might be saying you know what's what's the point in getting involved in politics particularly city council politics when you know a lot of the time like we were just talking about we can't actually get do very much because a lot of the money is controlled by central government what sort of got you interested in politics and what made you want to stand well i think uh, it's true that politics in this country especially at the national level can be incredibly disheartening but i think that's exactly why it's important to get involved in politics and to be very politically aware and active uh if you're able to do so uh because nothing is going to change if people don't work together to bring about that change. Uh, In terms of the local politics aspect, actually, most functions of government with a small g that people will interact with in their everyday life will be local government responsibilities. So that's things like Bristol City Council and other levels of government there. Like things like bin collections or highway maintenance, those are dealt with by local councils. And I think it's incredibly important that we people understand that uh, the work that councils do and also the impact that councils can have on people's lives. Uh, My own motivation, I'm determined to do my part, as I said, to helpfully improve the political situation in my own small way and to hopefully make a positive difference to people's lives in in Bristol, but specifically in the Hotwells and Harborside area where I represent now. Uh, we've got some huge issues in the wards and I want to try and be a voice for residents in you know, discussing those issues and ensure we can get the best possible deal for them. The things like zooming out again in politics generally, things like the climate crisis, the inequality crisis, those issues aren't going to wait for things to get better. We need to make them better ourselves now. Okay, so... 
I mean, that yes, like uh, that's a good point. Like you say, oh, you know, a lot of the things that people come across in their day-to-day lives in terms of bin collections, we were just talking about uh, water quality, um, things like that. There's, uh, you know, the city council can have an impact in some small way. Um, what sort of is most exciting for you? Because I've spoken to some councillors who love talking about bins, you know, thank goodness they exist. I would hate that. I don't know about you, but like what's, but, you know, we do need those people, but what's kind of your passion or your, what? gets you excited to go to these countless meetings you have to go to and read all these reports well um it's funny you should mention bins i do find uh how our waste is disposed of uh rather interesting actually cool cool go on Uh, but um no in 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 general it's uh just learn right now still early days of course uh just learning about the work that goes on in city hall and across the city to council is amazing there's so many aspects of that that a lot of people just don't know about but we would all feel it if those services vanish suddenly one day it's why actually the chronic underfunding of local government is such an issue uh, because it's these so-called backroom services which are often the first to go because people won't notice them straight away but we'll notice their absence for sure uh i've got a few sort of pet issues i suppose that i want to advocate for uh, in my role as representative for hot and harbour side uh one big one is just ensuring we can have adequate community consultation there's a lot of controversial proposals for developments and new, new pontoons in the harbour new road systems and so on and i think a lot of people in the ward feel their voices haven't been heard they haven't even been the city council hasn't even tried to listen to them on a lot of things we we've seen a couple of consultations come out in the last few weeks which to me i I, i'm not sure how valuable they'll actually be in listening to residents and taking feedback on board to change the eventual policies but it's something i'm going to be advocating for as hard as i possibly can yeah very good i mean that that all sounds that all sounds really good i know one thing that i've heard people saying and i'm sure you've had this a lot as well so hopefully you don't mind me bringing it up but you're sort of quite young to be a councillor most councillors are obviously um you know we think of councillors we think of them being a little bit older you're 25 or so uh, are you 20? I am 24 actually, 24 yeah. even younger I mean so how so some people might say oh well he doesn't have the life experience you know how is he actually going to get stuff done how does he understand what we're going through you know what would you say to those people oh I think uh I'm actually quite representative of the average residents of Hot Wells and Harborside actually I'm I'm so you know I'm uh as so so-called so salaried professional though <laughs> that that seems like a slightly artificial phrase but um you know i i i rent as the majority of people in holes and harborside do i work in services which a lot of people do i worry about my bills a lot of people do i i don't think that uh i think we do need people of all ages and backgrounds in politics i don't actually think that youth needs to be a drawback in politics either i think it can be an asset i mean as i said i think i can represent people quite well because well and the situation that i'm in and in the ward is in uh but more than that i just don't think it has to matter that much as long as someone is able to be a good representative and i certainly aim to be one i'm really determined to be the energetic and dedicated representative and counselor that the residents of hot and harborside want and deserve and that's my main goal and i think if i can accomplish that which i fully intend to i don't think it's going to matter about my age at all and i mean obviously you haven't been doing it for very long yet maybe what 10 days or so but would you be encouraging other young people to also get 
involved in politics and maybe put their names forward to stand or are you already like it's not worth it run away do something else with your life <laughs> well uh it's a good thing you asked me that and uh not after the next big council <laughs> meeting i suppose but yes of course i i think i fully believe that more young people should be getting involved in politics the the average age of a local councillor, i think it is 59 or 60 wow uh and that's not representative of the country or the majority of regions in the uk either i mean we're not that we're not that bad in bristol thankfully and of course we need people in their 60s to be councillors as well but when it's so disproportionate that creates a real democratic deficit and it means that the decisions made by those with political power are not going to serve the interests of younger people and this obviously go as well goes for women who are underrepresented in politics people of color are underrepresented in politics disabled people are underrepresented in politics as i said we need people of all ages and all backgrounds to be in politics so we can help make decisions which represent and serve the entire community can you explain so obviously the greens are now the largest party on bristol city council with you winning this seat what does that mean for bristol what will will we see lots of changes will there suddenly be lots of green environmental laws coming or um i don't know if you even pass laws or you know policies coming through or how does it work Oh, um, in the immediate term, what it means is the Greens have one more vote in the City Council, which is actually very important, especially now we've got the budget coming up later this month. Uh, that's obviously when we'd be setting the sort of spending um, priorities for the next year in the city. And there's going to be some amendments, which I think will be quite closely fought. So one more vote is going to be very important on those, I think. Uh, and more broadly, we might get more places on the committees, which are in charge of scrutinising how the council is operating and so on. Um, in the medium term, though, Bristol still has the uh, elected Labour mayor, which means a lot of the council's power is vested in that executive office. Uh, in 2024, when the mayoral position is being abolished, uh, then I think we'll be seeing uh, a much greater prominence of green priorities in the council chamber because we'll be, we'll be going into those elections as the largest party and I'm very comfortable be coming out of them as the largest party as well. We're look we'll be looking to turn bristol green in its priorities and policies truly this time and I, I actually am quite looking forward to working with all the other parties in that more democratic committee system to help make that happen okay so the idea being that if the greens continue to be the largest party after next year's set of elections then the greens will be will will set the agenda more um, but obviously it will still be influenced by whichever other parties are in the council as well is that right well Yes, the, the committee system, I think, rewards collaboration between parties, unlike the quite adversarial mayoral model that we have at the moment. I think that's a strength of the committee system. It means that we can have decisions which properly represent more of Bristol, not just the people who voted for the largest group. Now, I'm, you know, I'm obviously a Green, but I'm not going to say that the Green Party's got a monopoly on good ideas. I don't think other parties are all inherently um you know they they're not all their ideas are inherently bad either i think it's important that we can work together not not just to make those stronger decisions but also to make those decisions more democratically represented in the city brilliant um someone's messaged in a very deep question so um oh. we can come back to it if you want but uh patrick does politics need him or does he need politics to feel important? <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I don't think I uh, need politics to feel important. Uh, I, this is... Um, 
<laughs> I, that, that's Psycho, psycho psychoanalyzing you yes. at ha- half eleven no, in the I, morning. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't go into politics to feel important. I, I mean, I went into politics because I felt that's a way I can contribute to improving the situation on as a you know a small scale, but the best scale I can. I think uh, just you know, for the climate for economy for just people in general i think that's an area that my skills and sort of my um personality i suppose are best suited for i i i don't think that politics big p needs any one individual frankly it's a lot bigger than that uh I, you know, if I what if I hadn't been elected, I'd have continued on in the sort of backroom side of electoral politics. Um, you know, I've been working with the Bristol Green Party for a number of years now, and there's, you know, I I feel if if you go into politics, fr- frankly, if you're going into politics for fame and fortune, you wouldn't choose the Green Party. <laughs> we, the Green Party, we are we're not in it for the fame and fortune. We're in it because we genuinely want to make people's lives better place, a uh, bit better and to improve uh, things for the planet and for our societies. Yeah, and I mean, looking at national and international politics over the last few years, there's been probably far too many people who are going into it for the attention. Um, but we won't get into that or we will be here all day. <laughs> um, last couple of questions. So obviously we've talked a bit about um, what you can do. Uh, what I mean, is there something specific you want to achieve during your time? Obviously you've only got one year before, the, uh, before you're up for re-election. Um, is there one thing you want to try and achieve this year? Well, um, there's currently a proposal to, or a community drive rather, to try and reinvigorate the old Jacobs Wells Bath buildings, uh, which are just across the road from my ward, actually, but they're, they're in neighbouring Clifton Ward, but it affects a lot of people. So well, Jacobs what, Wells what, what, what are they? Tell us so, a bit more. So it's an old, it's not bath house, it's been a community venue for a long time, but it's fallen into dilapidation. Uh, and there's a drive in the whole community around that area. So it's a cross-ward cross boundary issue. And it's one I've been working with the Green Councillors in Clifton on a lot as well to try and reinstate it as an amazing community venue that the area needs a lot desperately. I think we do need these sort of shared spaces for the whole community. And I'm really looking forward to throwing my weight behind that as much as I can. Um, additionally, actually, uh, something which came up a lot in the campaign was... Uh, I don't know if, if listeners will know, but uh, we've got a very large road running through uh, the wards called uh, Hotwell Road. Uh, we get cars coming down it very quickly. The air, the air quality isn't very good around there, and it does slice up uh, a which, lot. Of, which road is that? Oh, it's Hotwell Road. Oh, Hotwell Road, yeah. Um, it does slice up a lot of and separate a lot of houses and shops from each other. So what I would quite like to do is bring in a new crossing point for that road, uh, which, again, it, it, seems these, it seems like a rather small thing but actually uh if you can help use a crossing point to slow down traffic a bit to make the road safer and also to connect up different parts of a what you know what are what is a high street you can reinvigorate the local economy make it a better place to spend time and spend money can make it easier for people to walk around the area and safer i think something like that it's a small thing but it can make such a huge difference it's something i'm really looking forward to looking into um, and then more, more broadly, as I said, it's community consultation, listening to the residents of Hotwells and Tarbside and figuring out what they want and what their powers there are in the council to help bring those priorities about. 
Yeah. And you, you were talking earlier, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you another curveball here. You were talking earlier about, um, obviously, there's lots of plans for developments in the Hot Wheels and Harborside area. And you're concerned that residents haven't been fully um, cons- consulted on that. And obviously, that, that will have an impact on the local environment. What about, but um, I mean, I'm just thinking next week, we have a guest coming in to speak about Brislington Meadows, where there's been talk about building houses on Brislington Meadows, which is a natural, I believe, a natural reserve or an area of conservation. And so thinking more generally i mean we have to build houses somewhere and some people might say oh well the you know and the environment movement the climate movement is too obsessed with protecting green spaces we have to build them somewhere we might as well build them somewhere central like hot wells and harborside rather than taking up green spaces i mean what are your thoughts on that so um i think that there i'm not an expert on the brisington meadows uh situation i would be very sceptical, frankly, of building houses on a greenfield site in the heart of a city like that, though I don't, I think we need to be ensuring that we keep these green lungs of cities healthy and happy. Uh, in Hot Wheels and Harborside, uh, some of the big proposals are uh, being proposed on a floodplain at the moment, and I'm very sceptical that it's safe or, or desirable to build any sort of residential housing on a floodplain. We're in a century where extreme weather and flooding is only going to be getting worse and I'm not convinced, I'm afraid, that the proposals would be safe. Uh, I think given the... Uh, we do need, I think, as you say, more housing. I think there are ways to go about it which aren't going to involve p- putting a load of re- residential housing onto an area which is going to flood. I think we need to be looking at the demand side as well. We've got a big issue in Bristol with uh, the you know expansion of both universities we've got uh we i think i'm you know i'm i'm pro having universities in the city i think we need to be talking to the universities about the rate of expansion and what can be sustained by bristol sensibly and so we can try and take a bit of heat out of the rental market talk to the universities may ask them to provide more of their own accommodation in-house uh, and also we need to make sure that renting conditions more generally are safer and cheaper and that we can crack down on rogue landlords and that's something that the green party's been talking a lot about i was i've been working a bit with um councillor tom hathaway who has been t- talking about rent controls in british city council recently i think that's something we should be really looking into and lobbying the uk government to allow us to implement so we can try and bring down the cost of housing in general for everyone across the city Brilliant. And then I was just thinking, actually, you were talking earlier about how you find bins really interesting. Can you can you tell us something? I don't know, something about how the, you know, about the Bristol waste or recycling system? You know, is that something you've been looking into? Is, it, is there anything particularly that might surprise people about it or that you find particularly exciting about what's possible? Oh, I think... Um the we we've got quite a good system actually um i think what people my my pet bug bear actually is a very small thing but um different grades of plastic i think we do need a bit more education about what can can't be recycled there uh can you tell us a bit more like so there's so people when they're sorting their recycling there's stuff that they should and should be putting in oh yeah sure so um hard plastics like a plastic bottle that's fine you can recycle that black plastics i think go in a separate can't be recycled and um plastic film like uh the sort of thing you'd get on a biscuit packet or something that can't be recycled either um so more, more generally um we've got a big waste processing facility up in um Avonmouth I think and we actually produce electricity there from burning waste that can't be recycled I think that's interesting there are environmental impacts that we need to look yeah, at yeah that sounds 
what so we we burn we burn waste that can't be it's, recycled in order and that makes electricity yeah yeah so we, we use it as, as fuel essentially as um energy recommendation i i don't i don't i'm not 100 uh, up on all the science there i think it's it's something we do need to be aware we need to be aware of the environmental impact um to my knowledge i think i to, to us i think it's uh interesting um trade-offs there but uh, we do also recycle a lot of our um, waste here in Bristol. I think that's something we can be quite proud of. Uh, we do need to get better at ensuring not just that we're recycling as much as possible, but that we're making products in general. And this is a countrywide issue, of course. But we need to make sure that we're making products that can be reused and recycled easily. Personally, I'd really like to see something like a deposit return scheme for plastic and bottles to help cut down on plastic waste. I think we've, these have been introduced in many other countries and they're wildly successful in cutting down plastic waste. I mean, I think we all remember the um, 5p plastic bag tax when that was brought in, massively cut down on the use of plastic bags. I think producing that sort of um, the carrot, I suppose, to help people recycle and to reduce waste is something which is really important we should be looking into. Uh, but m- yeah, more more generally, I think it, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just a bit of a geek when it comes to uh, recycling and waste processing. I suppose I find the whole process fascinating. Yeah, no, that's great. I yeah, I hadn't even thought about having a deposit return scheme, but as you say, a lot of countries do that already, and that might be something maybe we should look into. Right, very final question, and it's going to be the most hardest hitting one of all. What is your favourite biscuit? Oh, I, 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 I wasn't expecting such a hard hard hitting questions here. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the jammy dodger though. Okay, why a jammy dodger? Oh, there's, there's, there's something about the uh, contrast between the cr- the crunch of the biscuit and then the uh, sort of gooey jam in the middle. <laughs> wow, that is very poetic. Well, there you go. Well, that's been Patrick McAllister, Councillor Patrick McAllister for Hotwells and Harborside, newest mm. Bristol City Council member. So we're now going to, I'm just going to read through a little bit about um, Culture Corners. So this is something that Penny did, which I loved, which I feel is really important, which is recognising, recommending and celebrating pieces of art, culture and literature, which address the climate emergency issues around it um fighting injustice and fighting for the planet can be exhausting so it's important to take time to recharge our own batteries and remind us of what's good about this world that we are fighting for so today i wanted to talk briefly about the book hope in the dark by rebecca solnit she is a writer historian feminist and activist she's been that for decades she is apparently the person who invented the term mansplaining which is brilliant a really really useful word um The short book Hope in the Dark is a small collection of essays that makes a radical case for hope as a commitment to act in a world whose future remains uncertain and unknowable. It's, uh, it draws on her decades of activism and a wide reading of environmental, cultural and political history. Rebecca Solnit argues that radicals have a long neglected history of transformative victories and that the positive consequences of our acts are not always immediately seen or or immediately visible or knowable or even measurable, but that pessimism and despair rest on an unwarranted confidence about what is going to happen next. Um, So it's it's a small book. It's also available on audiobook if that's as well, if that's how you prefer to read your books. I personally find it really moving, stirring and encouraging. I'd recommend it to anyone grappling with despair within the climate movement or politics in general and it's um yeah it, it's it's just i think she wrote it um at the but around the time of bush's uh, invasion of the iraq war when she was sort of struggling with her own um hope for a better future and sort of what yeah and what sort of uh, could what could be possible when things sometimes look very very grim 
Um, so that's Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. If you have recommendations for future for other books, pieces of art, movies, uh, music that we should be looking at, please do let me know. I'm on Twitter at Shona Jemphrey. That's S H O N A J E M from other P H R E Y. And um, this is a weekly show on One Love One Planet, One Love One Planet on BCFM. Um, we're almost at the end now. Patrick, is there anything you wanted to sort of, yeah, any last thoughts or anything you wanted to sort of message you wanted to leave the listeners with? Uh, I just wanted to say uh, a huge thank you, not just to you for having me on, but also just more generally to the people of Hollis and Harborside for putting their trust in me as their representative. Uh, I won't let you down. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, there you go. Well, if he does, you can have a go at him because he promised he wouldn't. <laughs> so, um, that, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for coming on, Patrick. It's been really lovely. Thank you to our listeners for listening. Without you, there is no show. So it's just me rambling on at the guests as they try and field my random questions about Jaffa Cakes. So please do join us next week when we are going to be talking to Dougal Matthews from the Save Brislington Meadows group. You might well have heard about the Brislington Meadows controversy going on where uh, we want to some uh, parties want to build homes on the site, but it's a site of natural conservation interest. We were talking about it a little bit earlier in the show. So we will be getting into the debate about how we as a society juggle home building and protecting green spaces. So join us next week for all of that. Next up at 12 o'clock on BCFM is Lunchtime with Tristan B. Uh, so keep it locked on BCFM for more tunes and more chat. But that's all from me, Shona Jemphrey, for now. So please take care. Have a good day. Look after yourselves and look after the planet. <laughs>